I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Know Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering. To learn more about Know Before, visit knowbefore.com. Roger, great to be speaking with you another week, another episode of Cyber Grimes. Yes, always lots to discuss. Yeah, and we've got some good ones this week. Uh, first off, Roger, we're seeing a lot in the news about LastPass again. So according to Ars Technica, in the aftermath of their recent security breach, LastPass has said that an attacker hacked an employee's home computer and obtained a decrypted vault available to only a handful of company developers Then the threat actor proceeded to export the stolen entries, including the decryption keys needed to access the AWS S3 LastPass production backups, other cloud-based storage resources, and some uh, related critical database backups. So in response to all that, officials have urged all LastPass users to change their master passwords as well as the passwords stored in their vaults. So with all that background, Roger, I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on this story, what LastPass is experiencing, and the direction that's being given to LastPass users? Yeah, you know, I, I tell you, I've, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of password managers, and I think everybody should use a good password manager, but it is uh, getting increasingly difficult to defend LastPass as one of the good alternatives as they just continue to suffer breach after breach, but I guess to be fair on their part, it, it does seem like a nation state attacker is after them. You know, the the sophistication, multiple attacks, the persistency, you know, and they've hired Mandiant to get involved, uh, who has lots of uh, experience with nation state attackers. But that, that's what I'll say about, I guess, just in their defense uh, that, you know, any company that has a persistent nation state attacker is going to have some issues. And, that, you know, and there are millions of companies that are likely compromised right now, including many that you use and have your data. Uh, and we just don't know about it. It's not just LastPass, uh, although I don't know if any of the other, you know, password managers are, are being targeted like that. LastPass is, uh, I think, the, the largest, still the largest password manager by customer base. One password, I think, is number two in there. They're kind of the two big uh, gorillas in the room. Uh, but LastPass has just had a ton of, um, you know, intrusions over the years, a uh, ton of vulnerabilities. It's uh, and just yet another one. Um, you know, this time it was the developer. They got compromised. The attacker initially compromised the developer through a software vulnerability. Although the, um, you know, LastPass, they, they share some information, but not a lot of detail. Uh, but they didn't, as far as I know, share whether it was an unpatched software vulnerability or a zero day. But I think if it was a zero day, they would have mentioned that. So it probably wasn't a zero day. It was probably that a developer workstation wasn't fully patched. And that, you know, is an unfortunate thing. Um, the uh, developer was using multi-factor authentication. And, you know, want to again tell people that, you know, MFA is not going to save you if your workstation gets compromised. Uh, they said the developer was working on an um, uh, unencrypted version of the vault. They said they had four developers that have access to unencrypted versions of the customer vaults. And I got to say, that, that's shocking to me. Um, maybe it shouldn't be shocking, but, you know, why is anybody working with a decrypted copy of any encrypted vault? Like, if developers are working with a data set 
it should be, and it's encrypted by default, it should stay encrypted when it's on the developer workstations. I can't think of a reason why it would be in its decrypted state. But number two, um, you know, good, good developing practices these days is you don't give the developers real data, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary in their jobs. And then, of course, keeping encrypted, really what you hopefully do is have your developers use fake data uh, that is very similar to the real data so that they can still do the developmental activities they need to do, but they don't have the risk of having real data. So I guess that, you know, my questions are, why does anyone have unencrypted copies? Why do the developers have real data? Uh, Is there, and this is a wake up call for the industry in general, you know, work from home or developers or whatever, but, you know, did, we don't know, did LastPass, for an example, have a policy saying that people's workstations at home should be fully patched? And if not, is this developer getting in trouble for not being fully patched? And were there any controls to see if this workstation was fully patched? And we're in this, you know, especially since COVID, we're in this work from home environment. But if, you know, if you're a developer, your workstation has to be intensely secure. You can't treat a developer's computer the same as you would a a regular user for obvious reasons and reasons that were abused here so that, you know, if you're going to have a developer work from home, you need to make sure you have very strict security policies uh, and that you have controls. You know, if they're supposed to be fully patched, that you have a control that checks to see if they're fully patched. Don't wait for, you know, a nation state attacker to find out if your developers workstations are fully patched. So, you know, I, I think the lesson to be learned by other people is, you know, again, I don't like pointing fingers at any one particular victim company. I mean, they have a nation state attacker after them, uh, you know, an attack after attack. It's just going to be tough for any company to fight. Uh, but, you know, if you have work from home employees, if you have work from home developers, um, you need to have tight controls over the computers they use. You know, are they fully patched? Are they appropriately configured? Are you given aggressive anti-social engineering trainer? Uh, training. And then on top of that, again, developers, you know, ask yourself if you have developers, do they need to have local copies of the real data? If you have encrypted data, when should it ever be in a decrypted state? Um, You know, and that sort of stuff. Uh, The biggest question I have, Hillary, and this one, you know, I've read and read multiple statements. I've read the last pass text. I can't tell whether customer passwords were stolen. I mean, they're saying that they're, you know, the attacker was able to get these decryption keys and go see data on these stores. You know, I'm guessing customer data wasn't compromised or customer passwords weren't. It seems in, it kind of seems like in one sentence they were saying that customer data was compromised, but literally it's the notice is written in such a way that it's not screaming or not clear uh, and let me say LastPass has kind of done this in the past where they shared and they've shared a lot of information, but then they leave out enough details. Like if I want to ask the question, should I have to go change? All, I'm a LastPass customer. Uh, I'm not, but let's say I was. Do I have to go change all my passwords? I cannot tell from their account of this incident whether or not my passwords were compromised. I mean, it seems as if they're saying they're getting access to uh, unencrypted data that's on the developer workstations 
it seems as if they're getting access to decryption keys that allowed them to get to the Amazon, you know, storage buckets that have customer data, but they're not coming right out insane. Like it, it, nowhere in their in their announcement does it say, oh, all customers need to change all their passwords. So that leads me to believe that customer passwords were not compromised. But at the same time, there's there's kind of language in it that seems like they're telling us that customer data was compromised. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I wish they were a little bit more clear on that. And, and maybe they have been to customers that might have been compromised. But that would be my number one question to LastPass is, can you clearly tell me whether or not, um, you know, I have to change my passwords? You know, or that, you know, because you keep saying that there were decrypted databases on this developer's workstation. And number two, you then tell me that they got access to decryption keys that were on the developer's workstations to, uh, you know, to go up and get into the Amazon cloud buckets that had been encrypted. Uh, so that's, you know, that would be my number one question is, again, if I'm a LastPass user, did they get access or potentially get access to my passwords? And do I need to go change my passwords? It is not clear. Like they need to say that in a document that, oh, password customer passwords were or were not compromised and and involve customer data. You do or do not need to go change your passwords. You know, <laughs> that would be number one there. And I think they also, when they revealed, I did like what they said, what they, you know, again, they shared details like, hey, are, our own event monitoring didn't work. They said, ultimately, Amazon's AWS guard duty alerts informed us of anomalous behavior as the threat actor attempted to use cloud identity and access management roles to perform unauthorized activity. So kudos to Amazon and their guard duty alerts. Uh, kudos to LastPass for saying their own event monitoring didn't work. Um, although they said they've upgraded their event monitoring so it would catch it. But they also said, hey, we deactivated, uh, we, we got rid of deleted or inactivated unused identity management accounts. Okay, so that means that LastPass is not doing the basics of, of account management control, right? So they're admitting that they didn't have appropriate monitoring. They're admitting that they didn't have encryption. They're admitting, it looks like to me, that the developer uh, workstation wasn't fully patched. And they're admitting uh, that they didn't do good account control, you know, for users and groups. Like it's really standard today for any cybersecurity administrator to periodically review once a month, every quarter, every half year to review all the accounts and make sure that they're still needed. Well, they said they didn't do this, that they had to go deactivate uh, uh, old developer accounts in both dev and prod. So that's, you know, you do have some critics of LastPass that are saying that LastPass doesn't take uh, computer security seriously. I, I, they probably do now, <laughs> I'm guessing. But uh, they certainly, there keeps being additional evidence. Uh, you know, again, just very normal user account management that anybody that's in cybersecurity would follow. Uh, they're not, you know, we, we call it account hygiene. You know, where you go, you look for old and unused accounts and you deactivate them or delete them and you find out, does everybody have appropriate permissions and that sort of stuff? And that didn't occur. Um, you know, and I guess the other thing, too, again, is, you know, this developer had MFA credentials, they didn't save them. You know, when when you get malware or an attacker on your workstation, the MFA is not going to save you. So lots and lots, lots of lessons learned. And again, 
the kind of, you know, recount them is, you know, make sure again, if you have developers that you specially control their machines, make it, they have to have super high security policies and controls. Uh, you know, you need to, you know, and again, if your policy is you have to be fully patched, you need to verify that they're fully patched. They didn't share uh, what the third-party software compromise was, although I read it somewhere else. I forget if some software that I'm not familiar with, but you know, no doubt that that software is probably unpatched for months, uh, if not longer. Mo most of, most unpatched software that's abused by attackers hasn't been patched in months to years. Uh, so you know, make sure that you have a policy that says that your work from home people have to patch their machines and then have a control and a tool that can confirm whether or not they're fully patched. Uh, you know, and again, if you got developers, those workstations need to be locked down tight. Uh, you know, ask yourself, do developers really need to have access to the real data or can you use fake data to let them do their job? Most of the time, unless they're trying to do something that specifically requires the real data and the amount of the real data, you can get by with fake data um, you know, so I would say, you know, again, not to point the finger at LastPass, but use LastPass's misery right now as an ability to look, you know, to make sure that your house is in order. Uh, you know, we say people in glass houses don't throw stones. Same thing here. Uh, what LastPass is going through is bad. It seems like they didn't have all the security controls they needed and all of the uh, cyber. I, I hope that now their cybersecurity shop is getting more serious and under control. Uh, but that this is the time to ask yourself, you know, is your company got the right sort of controls and the right, you know, uh, the right approach about data and account hygiene and patching and all those things you should have been doing all along? Uh, because I guarantee you that whatever security LastPass has, it's probably higher and better than tens of millions of other companies that we routinely use all the time. <laughs> you know, uh, LastPass isn't just this lone victim that had quote unquote weak security. The truth is LastPass probably has above average security uh, as compared to most organizations in this world. And it's just being abused because it wasn't, you know, wasn't sufficient. And so make, you know, take this as a wake up call and don't let yourself become a last pass where you're having to explain why you didn't do account hygiene and why you didn't have the appropriate event monitoring and why you didn't, you know, why you had unencrypted data vaults and that sort of stuff. That's why I'd say use this as a lesson. Don't point fingers. Use it as a lesson to make sure you have the appropriate controls and tools so that you don't become somebody that's pointed out in the, in the media is not having uh, the right stuff. Absolutely. And if anyone from last pass is listening, you heard Roger's question. So, uh, your move. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fun. I've, I've sent last pass a couple of, uh, uh, media questions okay. and they didn't respond. Mm. And I got to tell you as a media person that writes it, when people don't respond to me, it, it I'm not going to be your friend when I'm yeah. writing about you. If yeah. you respond to me, I will always, you know, you know, if we form a relationship, I'll try to, I want to hear your side of the story. Uh, but I have that with vendors all the time where I email them. There's just no response. Let me tell you, if your PR people aren't getting me answers, it's not going to make me write better about your company, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, especially if I have to ask questions and I can't give answers and that sort right. of stuff. So really it, just on a personal note, if you get an email from me asking questions about your company or an incident or something like that, it, it never can hurt to actually respond to me with what you're allowed to respond to me with. 
couldn't agree more. Um, well, next for us this episode, the U.S. Marshal Service has suffered a major security breach. This is everywhere, but according to the New York Times specifically, hackers allegedly broke into and stole data from a computer system that included a trove of personal information about investigative targets and agency employees. The witness protection database was not breached, but the attackers did gain access to information about some fugitives sought by federal authorities, and the incident has been described as a ransomware attack. Now, Roger, I saw your post about this on LinkedIn, and you said somebody needs to give Tommy Lee Jones a call, which gave me a chuckle. And I also enjoyed someone who commented on your post and, and blamed Wesley Snipes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there was someone who, and I wasn't trying to pick on them, but they're like, is it Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive or from U.S. Marshals? And that's the same, that's the same character, right? Like, that's, it's Samuel Gerard. But anyway, um... <laughs> I was like, wait, that's the same. It's the same. Uh, I loved, I love that you're picking out the character name. Yes. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, yeah. though, but as soon as you said Samuel Gerard, I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I think it is, it is the same guy. I loved the movie The Fugitive growing up. So, um, anyway, since I guess Samuel, you know, employing Samuel Gerard is, is out for us, Roger, you know, can you take us through this story and its implications? Yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, they get by ransomware. There is this made a major data exfiltration. I think I, I published a, another stat a week or so ago that says something like 96% of ransomware attacks now include data exfiltration. And, um, it, the, and the article I was reading there is like, oh, this has become a big deal since late 2020. I first noticed the data exfiltration, ransomware data exfiltration in uh, November 2019. And I, and I wrote a uh, an article, and I've been doing a million presentations called, they're called initially called Nuclear Ransomware, although I think they've changed the title. They don't like using marketing, and PR does like using the term nuclear in the title anymore because I guess we're possibly, you know, possibly could have a nuclear war. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was the idea that, hey, be careful. And, you know, just backing up your data is no longer enough. And in November 2019, it was just one ransomware group that was doing it, but then they got paid more often. So it, it became, you know, slowly over time, we saw more and more ransomware groups and people and incidents doing it that did data exfiltration. And uh, finally, by like the end of 2020, it was like over half of them or something. And then it got like 70%. So the latest stat, if you're not sure, in 2023, although I think this is from data from 2022, is that 96%, which is a lot, of ransomware exfiltrates data as well. And let me say, despite this, and despite the ransomware guys actually getting to all kinds of confidential data, including the U.S. Marshal Service's data, most of these victims have not been paying. So the for a long time, this strategy starting from November 2019 up until now was, if we steal this sensitive data, we can, uh, you know, we can say, if you don't pay us, we're going to release this sensitive data out on the internet or give it away or, or use it to attack other people. And for a long, long time, it really did work. A lot of people, a lot of, of ransomware victims were paying uh, mostly to make sure that their confidential data or customer data wasn't being leaked. Uh, but it seems to have backfired now and that uh, there have been really some high profile data breaches from ransomware groups where the, you know, the victims aren't paying, even if it is really super sensitive data, like, you know, the U S Marshall service, there's going to be 
you know, they're involved in the protection of judges and the uh, operation of the federal witness protection program, you know, um, although I think they said that the hackers didn't access the witness protection database. That's good, but you have to assume there's other data like that with their and witnesses and all, you know, and data and, and warrant information and whatever else might be out there. Uh, but, you know, it certainly said that, it, it, you know, in the article, it said there was a trove of personal information about investigative targets and agency employees. And, uh, you know, those investigative targets, uh, you know, I can imagine a ransomware person going to a target, emailing them and going, hey, I've got this treasure trove of information on you that I stole from the U.S. Marshal Service. Would you like a copy of it for, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever amount of money they might charge? And, you know, they're probably going to, you know, have some success with that. So I guess, you know, the shocking part is that the U.S. Marshal Service Marshal Service got, suffered a ransomware attack, right? You, you almost think the U.S. Marshal Service uh, network would be better protected. Uh, but you know, just like many other, you know, compromises, it gets into the, the most critical, uh, you know, supposedly secure high security networks and the U S Marshals service was no different. Um, you know, and it, you know, it's a division of the justice department, but you know, the justice department has been compromised dozens of times over the decades and this is just the latest example, but you know, it certainly is from an operational problem. If you know the U.S., if ransomware's got the U.S. Marshal Service down, are they not picking up, uh, you know, fugitives? Are they not able to transport them? You know, I don't know about how does this impact the U.S. Marshal's service operationally? Uh, you know, get Sam, Sam Gerard. That's right. We'll get him on the case. Uh, but you know, it just shows you that the ransomware and the attackers can get in anywhere. I suspect the U.S. Marshal Services is not going to pay the ransom. Uh, I suspect the hackers, as they when they promise they're going to release the data, they always do, or at least so far that I've seen. Uh, or they're going to use that information and try to, you know, make some additional income off of it. You know, the, most of the ransomware attackers are coming from Russia, and will they be incentivized to? go around and make, you know, they must be just frustrated, Hillary, that they can't make a million bucks in one pop. Now they got to go around <laughs> using this data and trying to, yeah, I can only make $3,000, you know, times 10. Is it worth it? It's not even worth it to me to try to attack all these people individually. Uh, you know, it's, it's might be easier for them just to hit another ransomware target. But, you know, again, so I think, you know, the lessons learned, is you know ransomware still out there you don't hear it as much in the media and there has been some great successes by the uh the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency and its partners uh both uh, domestically and foreign have really done a, a really good job of making it harder for ransomware attackers to be successful harder for them to get paid harder for them to get paid out large ransoms so you know ran ransomware is still all over the place but for the first time since ransomware really started taking off in 2003, uh, 2005, because of Bitcoin, uh, making it easier for them to collect uh, ransoms without getting arrested. For the first time in you know over a decade, the ransomware people are having a harder time making a living. Darn. Uh, but this is you know serves an example that ransom is ransomware is still out there. They're still routinely compromising businesses and hospitals and cities and. You know, there was a city, uh, I forget what city that was taken down last week that I read about or two weeks ago. You know, there, it's still out there and still dangerous. 
um, you know, and you have to give it its due. And, and also remember that, you know, most popular way that ransomware compromises an environment is through social engineering that's involved in at least over half the ransomware attacks uh, that were successful against the victims occurred because of social engineering, about a quarter of them because of unpatched software, and then a quarter of them because of some type of stolen password credential or, or guest password credential. So those are the three things you, every company should make sure they have covered, that they're fighting social engineering, that they are patching all their software, and that their users have long, strong, unique passwords for their services. If you have those three things under control, the ability for uh, you know ransomware or any hacker or malware to get into your environment is significantly smaller. And, and that, you know, to bring up another article, some hackers announced that they'd been inside of T-Mobile's network. I saw you post about that. Yeah, yeah, over a hundred times. <laughs> And, and that's what I would say is I I bet in a lot, and again, it's not just T-Mobile. I bet in a whole, you know, tens of thousands of networks and large companies around the world, the hackers are in and out of those systems at will. Uh, And, you know, T-Mobile isn't the only victim that's compromised by multiple hacker groups. I even once worked for a fortune uh, 50 company and, I, I had made the statement that, hey, we're likely compromised, even though we don't know about it. And I remember the CISO getting really, really mad and yelling at me afterwards. And I said, well, let's go look. And they looked and found that they had been compromised, that particular company, by eight different hacking groups for over a decade. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's you're like, hey, if you're not looking, <laughs> you really can't tell whether you're hacked or not. So, that, you know, again, I don't like to point fingers. I'm not pointing the finger at the U.S. Marshals Service or T-Mobile because there's tens of thousands to millions of other companies breached or could be breached in the exact same ways. Every time you read about one of these hacking incidents against a company or a division or organization, count your lucky stars that it's not your organization that's in the uh, public press as being breached and make sure you're doing everything you can to avoid being in the next public breach. Sound advice, as always, Roger. Thanks so much for a great send-off for this week for our listeners. And thanks again for taking the time to come on and speak with me about all these topical topics. Thank you so much. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Know Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering.